hi everyone. It's uh, great to be with you. Um, it's a joy actually to come and share in this meeting that you're having together uh, this morning. Um, and I, I think it's uh, the first time in a long time that I've had real kind of one-on-one -on -one connection with you as a church fellowship. Um, so I'm really thrilled about that opportunity. Do you know what? I actually know your area probably better than you think I know your area. So back in the 70s, I was um, a student at uh, the London School of Theology down in Northwood. And I had a whole year actually living with four other guys in Watford, right opposite Vicarage Road uh, football ground. And so we got to know Watford kind of really well. My final year of college, I was uh, seconded to Croxley Green Baptist Church. And so I did a whole year working with that church community as well. So whenever I kind of come over your area, I kind of feel this is very familiar territory to me. I just love being around. It's just such a, a cool place to, uh, to live. Um, I bring you greetings from the New Ground family of churches. Um, we pray for you and trust that you know, you are knowing God's blessing upon you, even though this has been probably one of the most challenging times of our lives, especially in terms of how uh, to do church. And just to say well done, everybody, for keeping at it. And things are now, it seems, changing, although I suspect even as we go into these changes every time we do, there's uh, other issues that are there. I guess we have to go slowly and gently and be very understanding of one another as we kind of move into a new season of, of church life. I'm really glad that we're moving into this new season. And I think one of the reasons is that we need to gather as much as possible as a church community so that we can be restored. I think this has been a, a really tough time. It's been a year and a half of scattering and now we need to have a season of regathering and we need to be healed. We need to be set free. We need to be rebuilt and realigned with God and his purposes. I don't know about you, but I just don't feel match fit at the moment. And I'm looking forward to this new season, uh, maybe over the next few months when we come back together and we can uh, get match fit again by, by just being together and encouraging one another. You know, the greatest way to be restored, I believe, the Bible teaches us this, is through the person of the Holy Spirit. And I think what we need is a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And everywhere I go, I'm talking to people about this because I'm pretty convinced that unless we have a move of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be quite limited in what we can do. But when the Spirit comes upon us, he can do such wonderful things through us. It's not about us, but it's about us being in the Spirit. So I want to encourage you to pray that, you know, particularly in the autumn term, we might have a season where God comes. You know, you can't make the Holy Spirit do anything, but you can hunger and thirst for him. And you can make room for him and take time for him. So my encouragement as we regather is to is to begin to really believe God for that um, amongst us. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 15. And I'm going to speak this morning on one verse. And it's a verse that's um, kind of lived with me a little bit throughout uh, lockdown and more latterly. But when thinking of coming to speak to you, this was scripture that really... Uh, came out to me and I'm really praying today that many of you will find this uh, as a word of, of genuine encouragement and it's Romans 15 and it's just verse 13 just one verse may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the by the power of the Holy Spirit 
you may abound in hope. I'm not sure there's ever been a time in our lives where the issue of being a people of hope has been more important than this. And it's never been more obvious in as much as this last year and a half has really robbed people of hope. It's robbed us as Christians, I think, to a certain extent of, of genuine hope. But if you're not a Christian and you're living in a world where you don't know God and you've gone through this kind of period of time, then it really is all pretty hopeless, actually. And the importance of hope in a world of hopelessness or a generation that doesn't have much hope is absolutely vital for the days in which we live. People haven't gone through COVID, you know, have been robbed of this hope or some have had some hope and then it's dashed and restrictions are lifted and then they're put back again. It's been a year of dashed hopes for people. And so you end up without a residue of hope um, in your life. And so I think that this scripture that we've just read together is a key verse for us individuals, but also for you um, as Christ First Church in Watford, for you as a community to display hope to a hopeless generation. And as we do come out of this season, our hope needs to be restored because the hopelessness around us doesn't go away. It'll just continue. And there may be another thing and then another thing that robs people of hope. And we as the people of God, we don't have to be like that. You know, if you did a, a Bible study on the word hope, you will be amazed how often the word hope comes in Scripture. In other words, the issue of hope is a big deal for us as the people of God. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, that famous chapter on the love of God. It says, and these three, faith, hope and love, and the greatest of these is love. And you know, you hear a lot of sermons about love, which is really good because it's the most important. You also hear a lot of sermons about faith, which is important as well. You don't tend to hear so many sermons about hope, but I think hope's really important. Look, you've got love and you've got faith and you've got hope. It's in the top three of the most important things. So it kind of makes it relevant to us. I also think that hope can become, in the months and years to come, one of our greatest evangelistic kind of moments because of the hopelessness that there is around us. Let me give you an example. I, this week, very sadly, I was at a wedding of a friend of mine. She died of cancer at the age of 52. And uh, she was the most wonderful, wonderful Christian for the last year. We've been praying and praying that she would be healed. But in the end, the Lord took her and she was in great faith, whether she lived or whether she died. And the funeral is a moment where you talk about a person's life. And this conversation about Sarah, the tributes that were made about, to her because about her because she is a child of God were amazing. It was full of hope. It was hope in life. It was hope beyond the grave. It was amazing. On the other hand, when I go to funerals of unbelievers, it's pretty hopeless. And so right there, you see, even this week, I saw it again, the contrast between a people of hope and a contrast with those who do not have that hope. There are two things I would like to quickly draw out from Romans 15, 13. We will look at a few other verses. So but, but we're going to keep coming back to this verse, so kind of keep it close by and you'll, you'll be able to follow. 
The first of these two things is this statement about the character of God. Look at it with me. May the God of hope fill you. It's a statement about God that's important for us to grasp hold of. It doesn't say we have a hopeful God. It says we have the God of hope. You know, if he was a hopeful God, it means that sometimes he would be hopeful and sometimes he would, wouldn't be. It probably depends on the mood or the way he woke up in the morning or the circumstance that he's facing. Do you know, those words I've just used describe me, actually. <laughs> they don't describe God. I'm a person who, who probably, like a lot of other people, I am sometimes hopeful, but depending on what happens, then I am robbed of my hope and I don't really have hope. Or I can be a bit moody, you know, sometimes I'm really up for it and other days I feel really quite low about things. So is God like that? No, he isn't. He is, it says here, the God of hope. It's his very nature. It's his essence. It's not even an attribute of God, you know, that out of who he is and then he is a, a God of hope. It's more than that. It's who he is. It's impossible for God to be any other than a God of hope. And he's an unchanging God, which means that he is always this God for you and me. Therefore, our hope begins and ends with him. Our hope will never be found in our circumstances getting changed. You know, you might be thinking, if only my circumstances changed, then maybe I could be hopeful. Well, it doesn't depend on your circumstances. It doesn't depend on our feelings. We don't get hope from simply one another, although we can have friends that can encourage us to be hopeful. They're not the source of all hope. They themselves need hope being given to them by others too. Hope certainly isn't found within us. You know, you might be one of those bright and breezy people, very annoying, who are always kind of, always kind of happy and hopeful. Even for you, it won't last like that. Circumstances of life bring changes in our lives. We don't look within if we want to have hope. We look upwards. Elizabeth Elliot, who is well known for being the wife of a, of a missionary who in the 1950s was uh, murdered as he tried to reach Amazonian tribes in southern Africa. It's a very tragic but a very wonderful story at the same time. And she has written many books over the years. And one of the uh, quotes that I love that she's given was simply this. The secret of life, and she's talking about what's the secret of the Christian life? The secret of life is Christ in me not me in a different set of circumstances. That's worth thinking about, that phrase, because it's very, very powerful. Let me just uh, read a, a few scriptures to you in the light of this, the God of hope. Psalm 39 verse 7 says this, And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. And in Psalm 42 verse 5, and then Psalm 42 verse 11 repeats it, why are you dormant, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I again shall praise him, my salvation and my God. And verse 7 says the same. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you within, in, in turmoil within me? And it's like you're speaking to yourself and say, come on, don't be downcast. Why not? Because we know the God of hope. And every time I look up, I find that there is the God of hope. The source is not within me. The source is in God um, himself. 
So this is the first thing I kind of really want to draw out, that we are living in days where we can know this God of hope. Just one other verse before I go on to the second point. It's in the book of Lamentations. Now, the, the word Lamentations gives you <laughs> a hint. It's about lamenting. And yet here in the middle of lamenting, we find one of the most wonderful uh, scriptures in terms of being putting our hope in, in God. And it says in, in Lamentations 3 verse 21, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What does he call to mind that he gets hope in? And it goes on, verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And he brings that to his mind. And every time he does, do you know what? He's filled with hope because he's reminding himself of who this God is. He is the God of hope. The second thing, just go back to Romans 15, verse 13. It says this, that you may abound in hope. So the first thing is we know the God of hope. The second thing is God's will is that we, the people of God, we abound in hope. Surely, therefore, we become a people of hope and not just a hopeful people. But I don't think that comes automatically. I don't think, well, God's the God of hope and here we are as the people of God. And therefore, automatically, we are the people of hope in God as well. I think there's a process. I think that. Because we're not like God, we are a work in progress. So the question I want to answer today is how do we become a people of hope, whatever our circumstances, pre-COVID, post going through COVID, even post-COVID, all of these things, how do we abound in this hope and become known as a people of hope? Four things really quickly. I'm just going to go through them. First of all, we live in God, the God of hope. And as we live in him, he lives in us. The Bible says if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. I love it in John 15 when Jesus talks about you are the branches and I am the vine. He says, abide in me and I will abide in you. And in that passage, there's the, there's a little word if. And I find this is really helpful. If I choose to abide in him, Jesus will abide in me. If I choose to live in the God of hope, his hope will become manifest in me and in my life. And I need on a daily basis to speak to my soul and, and, and have this choice today, a new day. Will I hope in God? It's a choice that I will make. And then the fruit of it is just wonderful. Look at this terrific scripture, Colossians 1, 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that fantastic? As you and I choose on a daily basis to put our hope in the God of hope, he will fill us with his hope and in us is Christ, the hope of glory. Second thing I want us to notice, if you go back to Romans 15, verse 13, it says this, so that the power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you might abound in hope. So it's firstly by daily choosing to put your faith in the God of hope who will come fill you with hope, but it's also a work of the Spirit. You will never be hopeful, even as a Christian, through self-effort and trying hard. 
but you will be if you are daily filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, why is this so important? Well, it's important because hope is not dependent on our temperament. And this is really encouraging for those of us who are a bit melancholic. You think, oh no, I'm being told in a sermon, I've got to be a God of, I've got to be a person of hope, but I'm just kind of a half glass empty person. But here's the great news. Being filled with hope, abounding in hope, is not dependent upon your personality or your temperament because the Holy Spirit has the power to change you and make you to be a different person. I'm married to Liz, my wife, we've been married for 42 years and she's definitely a glass half full person and I'm definitely a glass half empty person. So we've had an interesting relationship with one another in the way we kind of look at life together. But you see, this is not a case of Christian melancholics trying really hard to be hopeful because I've just heard a sermon about the need to be abounding in hope. It's never going to work like that. It works by walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, living by the Spirit, and that is our source of hope. And just a word for all you non-melancholics, you happy disposition people, there will yet come a time in your life where you can't even depend on that to prove that you're a person of hope. It runs out. So all of us, whatever our temperaments and personalities, we all need the power of the Holy Spirit. Walking by the Spirit changes people. You need to really get hold of that. It's not an option. He really is the real deal. He is, the Bible says, your helper. And one thing he's come to help you with is that on a daily basis, despite all the circumstances, despite all we've gone through in COVID, you can be abounding in hope. Very quickly, the third thing is this. We become a people of hope when we know and live in the promises of God. Look what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 24. For in this hope we are saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. You see, if everything in life was instant, there would be no need to hope for anything. We wouldn't even have to wait for anything. But you see, hope operates by believing for things that you can't yet even see. There's many things at the moment we can't see. So we can abound in hope because we're not basing our hope on what we can see, but on what we cannot yet see. Hebrews 11 verse 1, really great well-known definition of faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, it's the conviction of things not seen. And God's word is full of promises, and his promises are true because God is a faithful God. So when there's a delay, we don't throw away hope, we grow in hope. And the longer the delay, the longer we exercise hope and faith, believing that God will do what he has promised to do. I think it's God's expectation, even through COVID, that we would learn these lessons, that we would come out different. Now, it's possible some of you listening to me right now are, are thinking, <clears throat> I haven't done great in COVID at all. But just hang on in there because there's still good news for you. But here is good news. Even if you've struggled throughout this time, we can be in a new season right now where we can be trusting God 
to restore hope in us because it's not based on our wishful thinking. It's not based on our trying our hardest. It's based on what God has promised in his word. Can I encourage you? Know the promises of God and know that they are true and then have hope in them and you begin to abound in hope. <coughs> Fourth and finally, we become a people of hope when we overcome disappointments. And this year, as at least this year, been a time of tremendous potential disappointments for all of us. You know, there are some things that rob us as the people of God of hope. COVID is definitely one of them, potentially. <clears throat> there are disappointments because of delays. There are disappointments because people said things to us and then they let us down. Our hope becomes disappointed when that happens. We get disappointed when circumstances we hope would change and they don't stay the same. We get disappointed when we just hear sad news. I, I've obviously travelled a lot, been to many nations. This last year and a half, I just know loads of people. <clears throat> so there's been so much sad news of deaths and sickness and things that have gone wrong in people's lives. And there's been moments when I can feel that hope being robbed from me because I've just kind of got disappointed. I am deeply disappointed at the moment in Western society and the culture in which we live and the proclamations that people are making and yet the inability to do anything about them. We can even be very disappointed with church. Some of us may have known people that we've really admired and for whatever reason they've fallen away and we realise how disappointed that's made us. Or maybe in church life we had great vision for what God was going to do and it hasn't come to pass and as a result of that we become a bit disillusioned here's what it says in proverbs 13 and verse 12 it's kind of a well-known proverb hope deferred makes the heart sick but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life if you had your hopes dashed recently a vision that's maybe not yet been materialized he had such high hopes. <clears throat> and now, as it says here in this proverb, you know, your hope has kind of been, you know, it's a deferred hope. It didn't come to pass. And it makes you just feel sick. It makes you feel like giving up and being very disillusioned. And you get to a place where you're, you're just low. Listen, if we feel like that, any of us, God's will for us is not to live there. God's will is for us to have our hope restored. God's will is that hope is restored by choosing to live in him on a daily basis, by being filled with the Holy Spirit, by knowing and believing the promises of God. And our hope gets restored when we draw a line on over the thing that has disappointed us, walk across that line and say, by faith yet alone, yet again, I hope in God. You know, I speak to Christians who've become very disillusioned with church. In fact, they leave a church because they're so disillusioned with it and they kind of go, don't go anywhere. And they may even be justified in why they feel like that. But when I have conversations with them, I say, do you know what? You're just not supposed to live there. You may well be justified in your hopes being deferred. But there comes a moment where you have to draw a line. Why? Because whatever your experience of church, the scriptures teach us what church is meant to be. You've got to really believe there's something better and hope can be restored. I'll just throw in one another before one other point before we 
come to an end this morning. And, and, and that is this, despite all these things of overcoming disappointments, there's one more important thing, and that's this, the people that we hang out with. You know, when we first got married, there was a group of people, Christians, that I used to hang out with, and, and Liz struggled with them. Um, and I thought it's just because I knew them, my friends, for years, and she didn't know them. And we had a conversation once when being with them. She said, when you are with these people, you change, you become negative, you become cynical, you, 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 you're not hopeful, you're not full of faith. And uh, I didn't like the fact that she said it because it was true. And uh, I had to think about this. This certain group of people, they were negative and cynical as Christians. And when I became like them, with them, I didn't have the ability to withdraw from them and to be different from them. They affected me. Who I hang out with is important. I actually made the decision not to hang out with those people and hang out with others because they did me good. It says in Galatians, you were running well, who hindered you? Not what hindered you, but who hindered you? And you could be running with people who actually hinder you in your race and progress. It's a strange thing to say, but I think you should run with people who think they're going to win this race rather than hang out with a whole load of people who just kind of hang back and are not that bothered. Verse 13, let's finish with this. We are meant to abound in hope, not just be a little bit of hope, but abound in hope. And uh, at the end of the day, when you are a person of hope, you affect all those people around you. For you as an individual Christian, you can have the ability to affect people who don't know Jesus because you are a person full of hope. If they ask you, how come you're like this? You're not going to say, well, I'm just a breezy, happy kind of person. You're going to say, actually, it's because of my walk with Jesus and his life manifest in me. When you're abounding in something, you've got enough to overflow and give away. It becomes infectious, attractive, magnetic, and it's genuine. And I love this in, in Romans 15, 13, that he might fill you, this God of hope, with all joy and peace. That's infectious right now, everywhere we go, all around us. And I guess it's also um, abounding in hope in the sense for you as a church community in Watford and the surrounding area. This makes you missional. It's very attractive in a world of hopelessness to find a whole community of people who genuinely have hope that says to people, you can have this hope too by joining with us as a church community and coming to know the God of hope. I trust this has really encouraged you today. I really felt this was a verse for you as a, as a people, as individuals, but also as a church. And my prayer is this for 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 Christ first as a church community, that you will come out of this lockdown period and this COVID experience and manifest the very power and presence of God. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for those listening today who know that they are not very hopeful, that right now they are feeling a bit low. And, uh, and I feel God would say to some of you like this, you know, lifting the restrictions will not be enough for you to be a person of hope, hope in God. And for those of us who have kind of done okay and uh, we have genuinely experienced hope, my prayer, Lord, is that you will increase that manifestation of hope amongst us as the people of God. And I pray, Lord, with all my heart 
for Christ First Church in this wonderful area of Watford, that they will become a community of hope. In fact, I pray this church will become famous for being a people of hope and it will be infectious to a hopeless generation all around us. And finally, I pray for anybody listening to this who does not yet know the hope, the God of hope, that they will come to put faith in him and have their lives transformed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Uh, have a fantastic next week. And I trust that we will be seeing one another before too long. God bless you. Amen.